Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded with my brother, Mr. Alan Bitteker. So Alan is a healer, a coach, a facilitator who helps people transform their lives by connecting with their inner experience. He's personally overcome many health challenges such as asthma, allergies, staph infections, and boils by exploring different modalities of healing such as nutrition, fasting, meditation, and network spinal. I met Alan when I was in Nosara and we built a close friendship just being out there. And one of the things I love most about Alan is just how deep he's entrenched in his own work. This conversation went in so many directions around how Alan sort of navigates his own internal landscape of his thoughts, his feelings, his emotions, how he works with the different parts of himself and how he practices discernment to really sort of check in with, okay, what is fear versus what is intuition? What is my emotions versus a clear sign from God that I need to be doing this? You know, he's just done so much work in being able to navigate a lot of those conversations within himself. And one of my favorite parts of this conversation was actually a conversation around victim consciousness and what is the role of the victim? You know, I've been having a, a really, you know, the last few years has been a really important journey of me sort of examining my relationship to my inner victim. I think we all have victim consciousness within us. And for a long period of time, I'd always just shame it, tell it to go away you know, make it wrong. And in this conversation, Alan really helped me see just how beautiful of a messenger, of a guide, the voice of the victim within us can be for personal transformation, for growth, for ultimately like power. And um, I just love this conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you And uh, I'm just grateful, guys. I've been getting a lot of messages from you guys about the monthly reflections recently. And I, uh, I'm grateful that you guys are on this ride with me and, and I'm just very grateful that we get to continue having conversations with brilliant human beings like Alan. So enjoy this conversation. And without further ado, here is the amazing Mr. Alan Bitteker. Enjoy. Yo, 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 what is up my peoples and welcome back to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Mr. Bitteker, welcome to the show. Mr. Raj, thank you for having me, brother. Oh man, I love you so much. It's so good to see your face, man. It's good to see you in such a familiar background in the jungles. I miss being there. Uh, I was actually just thinking about today how much I missed jumping in the ocean. I haven't jumped in the ocean in like, I don't know, probably like over a month now. And I didn't realize how much that practice of like daily, like going into the ocean daily and like, releasing was actually doing for my nervous system. And what's been fascinating is since being back in the States, I've had to like double down on all sorts of other practices because I don't have access to nature in the way that I did in Nosara. And so I'm curious, like 
what are your sort of like go-to daily practices to like anchor you into your processes? Because I think what's really cool about you is like you do a lot of work like on yourself, a lot of deep work. And I imagine that certain tools have worked really well at certain parts of your journey, but like what's the most helpful and beneficial for you right now on this ride? Yeah, bro. I love it. The, it's pretty interesting. The, when you're asking it, what comes up for me is beach walks, sunshine beach walks, either early in the morning, actually really any time of day. I find the longer walks feel better for me. And I simply just jam out to music. And I, a part of my intention as I'm doing it is to feel good about what's happening in my life. Almost just like gratitude for what's unfolding, just feeling like I'm getting in a good state around what's happening for me. How do you stay in that state when things aren't going well? So I think like it's it's a lot easier to be in like a rosy, positive gratitude, all the things when like things are great. But then like when you have a bad day or when things aren't going as planned or when life throws you curveballs, like does that ritual still hold true or do you have to pull out bigger guns? So I'm I'm always doing all sorts of things. And likely because I'm doing all sorts of things, my stuff is often getting like uprooted and stimulated. When you say stuff, what does that mean? Insecurities, fear, worry. I would say prop like if I were to self-analyze right now, probably the worst is my judgment on my own patterns. That is probably how I would self-identify is like what's creating the most challenge for me. And I normally do pretty good with it. And so like my initial answer of like, how do you do it when you're, when things aren't going well, I normally, the best I can is just be with whatever's happening. When you say be with whatever's happening, what does that entail? Is it like you're, you're holding space? I'm just going to reflect, am I, am I hearing this properly? So it's like being with whatever's happening. Let's say you have a challenging emotion that's showing up or you have this negative thought loop, or you have this judgment of yourself, like, do you allow yourself to have the judgment? Or are you like, stopping yourself and kind of rewriting the narrative? Like, what does being with what is actually mean to you? I'll just share what's authentically coming up lately, is what I've noticed arising for me is my own resistance. And more and more, I want to have great self-discipline and do the things that I know that are good for me and create success. And sometimes I notice that I'm sabotaging that, right? I do things that I know that aren't good for me. I, uh, and or I can just have resistance with what's happening. And so what I'm really getting with lately is noticing the resistance as it's showing up and just noticing it and being with it. Like, oh, there's a part of me that's resistant. What happens when I'm just with that as I'm doing whatever it is? What do you learn when you're just sitting with the resistance? It actually feels good. I was cold plunging the other day. And cold plunging at the three, if to answer your first question, long sunshine walks, cold plunging, and sauna. Those are 
probably my favorites. I do a red light in the morning and a red light at night. Whether I like sit and med- meditate in front of the red light or not, I have it on and it, it just feels good. But I was cold plunging the other day and I know that I'm working with this part of me that's resistant. And so I was like, when I was in the cold plunge, I was like, wow, there it is. There's a part of me that like wants to get out. It's resistant to being in here. And I'm like, cool. I'm just going to be with that part. Like we're going to do the thing anyways. And I'm going to hold my resistance. And that's the beautiful piece. I think like underneath every resistant thought is a feeling. And so when you sit with the thought long enough, the feeling presents itself. And then when you sit with the feeling long enough, it just ends up going away. <laughs> totally. I don't notice the thoughts so much anymore. I, I'm really in tune with how I feel. So right. I'm like, I can catch that part quicker than my thoughts, I think. Totally. And I think that's a part of mastery, right? Like, you know, when we first start on this path, I think the thoughts are really loud and we were so at least I'm speaking of myself, like I was so disconnected from my body that like I thought my thoughts were the only real thing that existed. And then when I started getting into my body through breath work and different medicine practices and different like tools to get me more in touch with my emotions and my feelings and and my somatic experience, like it's almost like I would, I could access a whole new part of me and I could access a different wisdom and so, and, and that's like that layers, that opens up another layer of complexity to the experience because now you have your thoughts, then you have your feelings. And then when you get really down the rabbit hole, then you start to access like soul intuition and wisdom and higher consciousness. And then that throws a whole nother fucking wrench into the plan because you have all these different aspects of yourself that are now coming online and completely create and like and then it takes another level of discernment and mastery to really be able to like distinguish between those. I'm curious for yourself, like how do you know which part of you is showing up? Like how can you tell if it's like soul wisdom versus resistance versus like just an emotion versus something that's like an old childhood thing that's like presenting itself like how do you actually practice the discernment within yourself to know what's true? Yeah, great question. This has been my practice is within emotions. I noticed that I, I think people in general have soft emotions and harder emotions, more of like a feminine aspect and more of a masculine aspect. The feminine aspects, these are more emotional based, are vulnerable, can feel like a victim, can feel hurt. And then the masculine aspect, I think, are more based in the mind and they're more protective, they're more aggressive. And so in psychology, they describe it as child, parent, and adult. And the adult is more of like the authentic self. And the authentic self is and how I experience is more like soul energy, more spirit energy. And the way that I practice connecting with that part of myself is feeling into the part of me that's already there, that's already arrived. It doesn't need anything to happen. It's fully complete. So it's like this fully realized aspect that it's like, when I really get there, it's like, I don't actually need anything else but this. This is this is all I'm actually wanting is to be connected here. 
yeah, the other parts have more of a protective vibe to them or they have more of a victim vibe to them, right? More of like an emotional turmoil, like pain associated or it's like trying to protect me from something. I love that you broke it out into like adult, what was it, adult, parent, and child? Was that the... And I like that there's a distinction between the parent and the adult. Because I think that like, that is, there's so many layers to this, you know, and I, and I think that's what I think, you know, we've had conversations about parts therapy and the importance of like being able to identify with our different parts because these, to me, that's one of the most useful frameworks for working with yourself. It's the most useful framework for being able to create space between yourself and aspects of you that are either challenging that are getting in the way and it creates the most meaningful it, to me it's the one of the most meaningful frameworks for actually facilitating change because when you don't identify with the part and you recognize that it's just an aspect of your personality that either split away because of challenge or it learned a behavior we can actually begin to retrain it and learn to work with it and i think that is a part of mastery and i think that's where, like i i really appreciate that that is the frame that you bring in because I am curious though, you brought up victim and, you know, victim is something I've personally been working with a lot recently, just around like, is there a utility to victim, like the victim, right? Cause like clearly he or she, whatever that energy is, you call it a she for me. It's like, it's like just me being a little baby or it's like me having a thought about how the world should be different. Like, I've been really sitting with like, does that actually play a useful role? Like, is there a useful role to having victim energy within you? Or is the only reason we have victim consciousness so that we can ascend it? Like, is that, I'm kind of dancing with that for myself. So I don't know if you have any thoughts around just that. The first thing I'll mention is in the parts work, what like the key thing that I noticed with that is the identity and when we use the word, I have these parts, it helps us actually, in a healthy way, I think, disidentify with the parts as all of me, right? Because we can get, when we're triggered, we can get fused with the part and we can buy into the reality of the part of he did this to me or she did this to me or blah, 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 whatever the victim says. And at the end of the day, we're wanting to identify with the ad adults or the soul, right? And recognize that we're a soul and not a role. And so people buy it because it rhymes, you know what I'm saying? You're <laughs> 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 <Just kidding. laughs> so stupid. <laughs> that was good. That was good. But it actually is a resourcing like way of being of like, and so I really like the philosophy of like, can we ascend and, or yeah, can we ascend and, uh, and include? Right. Because I don't want to disown the part of me that feels like a victim. And back to your part, what's the purpose? And I think the victim tells us what we are needing. Right. Or at least it's whispering to us, like, whatever the story or whatever the, di whatever the dynamic is. And we could go into that in another conversation around what are kind of these coping mechanisms and what type of strategies that we learn to do to get what it is that we need. But the victim is basically telling us what we need, right? Or what, what we're afraid of. 
And I think it's our job as the adult to hold the victim or the child and be and like pay attention. Like, all right, you're making it about that. But really what I see is like, you're needing this. And do I actually need that? Or do we actually need that? This is really good, dude. And I want to dive into this a little more because I think there's a lot of richness here. Because I think for me, my practice, my default has been to judge my victim and just be like, dude, stop being in it. And it's like, and I actually noticed that that's how I speak to other people when they're in their victim. When I see others who are in their victim, like my shadow has been like, I just don't tolerate it. I'm like, why are you speaking to yourself that way? I don't want you to speak to yourself that way. Like you're so much better than this. And I go into this like, kind of like over the top, like get past the victim. And I actually realize I'm doing that to myself. So anytime like I have victim energy that shows up or I have some type of like blame or any type of that, like instead of up until this point, instead of listening and being patient and kind to myself, I actually go into this like self-judgment, self-blame, be better, push harder, go. And so I'm like, I'm even checking in with like, can you give an example of a need that you may learn like, like something that you may learn about yourself as a result of listening to the victim instead of like trying to make him or her change or be different or go away or just be better. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I'm going to also share just a powerful distinction with all of this. When we can be the adult, uh, it's a product of wholeness and a product of union. And what's important about that is we can hold the parent and the adult. That's what, that's what union is, in my opinion. And that means I can be aware of the part of me that has emotional insecurity, insecurities or doesn't feel safe. And I can be aware of it without being fused to it. And I can also be simultaneously aware of myself and where I'm having judgments and assessing and trying to protect. And when I can be with those simultaneously, then I no longer am identifying with one of them. And what happens when we identify with the other one and reject the other is when we're rejecting the other one, we're polarizing it out into the field. Because if we're always the parent, then everyone around us looks like a child. And we're polarizing that onto them because we're disidentifying with it and we can make it out to be other people. Does that make sense? Kind of. Like, I guess what I'm saying, what I'm hearing you say is like, if you disown the part of yourself, you can't actually connect to that part with anyone else. And you're likely going to project it onto them. Yeah. Right. 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 Like, I'm not the victim. You're the victim. Like, clean that shit up. Or it could be the other way around of like, you know, you know, the victim or the, the drama triangle. So coming back to like, give me an example. Example and in, in something that I'm also working on is... I'm working on actually getting a deeper connection with, in an interesting way, both of these aspects myself. But the other day I was working and my friend walks in and I make it obvious to him that I'm working and I'm focused. And he keeps trying to have a conversation with me. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, can't you see that I'm trying to fucking focus? Right? Like, don't you? And so I was kind of being a victim to his question asking and his trying to engage with me. And like what I'm working on 
is just saying, like, just being direct and being like, Hey dude, I'd love to catch up with you, but I'm, I have to focus right now. Right. So at first it's presenting to me as can't he see, does he not have awareness? Have I not made it clear? And so part of me is like having a complaint. The victim always has a complaint. There's some type of complaint happening. And I can buy into the complaint is like based in the external world, right? It's like, can he see it's his fault, blah, blah, blah. But really the need is we need you, me to like take a stand and be direct. Yeah. We need to focus and we're getting pulled in both directions and like create the container. I, okay. So let me just reflect back. Cause I think this is really powerful. So what you're saying is that this person coming in, who's taking time away from you, what the victim it's showing up, what's presenting as a complaint or this victim energy is you complaining about this, but what that victim actually needs is for you to just be a clear community, have better boundaries. And so if you, instead of judging the victim, if you actually took time to just listen to the part of you that's actually complaining and you ask it, what do you actually need from me at this moment? It is actually, Hey, I actually need you to set a better boundary. So actually underneath the victim is a well of power. So it's, it is almost like that. And that's what I'm also like, I'm really appreciating that, that example, man. Cause I think that that's what drives home this point that, and I, and I think this is, this has been a really big aha for me recently, just around like how much the things I want to change in others are actually the things that I'm like resisting within myself. It's like, there's a part of me that I'm disowning and it's like, can I actually learn to sit with those parts and just listen to the need underneath it, which is softer. It's sometimes not as loud as set a boundary. Sometimes it's like way more subtle and way more, it requires a, a, a more softer palate, I think, in order to get really sensitive to. Can I ask you a question? Are you available to get with those parts? That's what I've been really sitting with recently. It's like, I haven't been available because I wasn't aware that I wasn't available. That was the big thing for me. This is so like talking about language, like that, are you available to, are you open to, that's like the language of the feminine. And so I would consider this like you're considering how to open availability to your feminine. And that is like the emotional aspect of this feels uncomfortable or this feels whatever, however it feels. And I open to just get with that and feel it. And so even me using the language of are you open to, are you available to is speaking the language of it versus can I actually, right? Like, can I actually, is like coming from judgment. Like it's like laced with judgment, you know? Totally dude. I mean, language is such an, imp- I mean, how do you, you know, I think this is something I've been, it's taken me years and I still don't think I'm perfect at it. Like just watching my words. And the way I say things, what I say, how I ask for things, like, cause ultimately our, our language, like they're like spells, right? Like whatever you speak is actually like, there's so much unconscious programming baked into the way we say things and how we say things. And so how have you sort of practiced becoming like, like shifting the way you speak? And what has that process been like for you? 
Yeah, great question, man. I also have so much growth to do here. And this is part of the next leg of my journey is self-expression. And I would say I'm pretty smart in this arena of awareness. So I can pick up on a lot of things, probably more in other people than myself. And I, I kind of like know a lot of the right ways to do it. And my, to be honest with myself, is like my own expression, not nearly as powerful as I want it to be, right? So through the work that I've been trained in, Network Spinal, I'll just say this, maps of consciousness, I'll just blanket statement, maps of consciousness, learning different levels of consciousness, learning the different languages of each level of consciousness. That has helped me identify what part of me is speaking. Can you give me an example? Oh, so let's talk about level one. Let, let's level. Let's just say, let's just use three levels of consciousness. So let's use the lowest level. What would like languaging look like at that level? Then let's go to the next level. What would languaging look like at that level? And then the next level, well, like, and let's talk about one situation. So this is a beautiful. I'll lay a beautiful frame, and we'll go into it. This will make it super obvious. If we talk about pain, and we can break up pain into four different levels, I'm going to give the different levels. The pain of avoiding pain, the pain of not being able to manage the circumstance, the pain of not growing fast enough, and the pain of not knowing our gifts or being able to express our gifts or see the gifts in other people. And so those describe the pain of avoiding pain is more of a physical, emotional pain. And so there's a pain that I was having within that of avoiding the pain of confrontation, right? But I was mostly experiencing like, oh, I'm wavering or whatever. Uh, I'm not saying the thing that I want to say because I'm avoiding the his pain of potentially feeling rejected. The pain of not being able to manage the circumstance, more of a pain of the level of the mind. It could also sound like it's almost a similar pain for me in that way. It's probably more actually because the pain of the it's mind. like an existential pain almost, right? Like not being able to manage the circumstance. Is that like you're not trusting the universe or is it more like you don't trust your own abilities? Like what is that? The way that I see it, it's the pain of the lower mind. And the lower mind is the boundary. It is the part that like says no. It's the manager. Got it. And so when someone's talking to me about the manager, or if they're more in the gift of it, and they're like, no. Hey, I appreciate you, but no. I've, I've got this thing going on, and I've got to focus. The pain of not growing fast enough is is... Uh, like a higher level pain. It's one that I relate with often. And it has to do with the upper mind. And when it's more fueled, someone usually is talking about how they're ready for something. And so it is a higher functioning of the mind. Um, but it's the energy of like, I'm actually ready to fucking go. Let's do this thing. And what was the fourth one? The fourth one is the pain of not knowing our gifts or being able to experience our gifts or experience the gifts of other people. It's spiritual pain. But in its gift, 
right? It's like, I know who I really am. I know what I'm meant to do here. I know why I'm here. And I can see why you're here too. Okay, so I'm already feeling like a different energetic frequency for each of those. Like one is very physical in the body, one very present with what's in front of you. The other one is almost like a layer above that, right? And it's just like, so- Higher and higher perspectives. Yeah, so it's like higher and higher perspectives. So when when I think, when I hear the word consciousness, that's how I'm hearing you interpret it, which is just a wider perspective of the situation at hand. And with more perspective and more space, your languaging is naturally going to evolve because you can see more and you can understand something better and you have more of a full 360 picture of the situation, which means that you wouldn't just be stuck in like blame or, or like, like you can actually see all sides. So for example, like, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm repeating this actually for myself, even in some ways, like you're crushing it. Like if you're in, if you're like in one state of like just complaining, you're going to be there. But if you could actually also see how that person's day was going, if you also put yourself in their shoes and saw how they were raised, if you also put, if you had that level of awareness, which is a higher level of awareness of the situation at hand, the way you speak to them would be different. It would have a different tone. It may have different words. Uh, you would be able to facilitate action or transformation or conversation from a higher level of mind, which I love that you went into higher levels of mind. So I think that's a really cool way to actually look at and gauge where we're at almost like, and it's actually a good way to gauge where we're at in our personal development journeys. Even it feels like, like if we're constantly stuck in those, like our limited perspectives, because I imagine when you get to like the really high perspectives, everything's just gravy. Like if you could stay up here, at like the spiritual mind, like where everything is connected, we're all okay. Everything is going to be fine. It doesn't matter. Like can sense that like, you're just not going to feel stressed about shit. <laughs> I think a yes and a no, like, and there are probably plenty of people out there, many of your listeners who actually, and I see this all the time, especially offering healing in more awake communities where people are actually like what I think is ideal in that standpoint for me is to be able to source the awareness of like, this is my gift. I'm on a mission to serve the world in this way. And I'm sourcing this energy into the part of me that can create a boundary, but with love, you know, it's fueled by the part of my mission that, that needs to do this thing right now. So it's that integrative piece of like, I have a shit ton of spiritual awareness and I'm still working on what does it look like to hold healthy boundaries? Because there are parts of me that got underdeveloped in those ways. Well, I think that's what's cool too, right? Like, I don't think that's higher doesn't necessarily mean better. (laughs) It doesn't necessarily mean better, right? Like, because you still, you're having a human experience. Like I, I remembered a really dear friend of mine gave me this frame, like, you know, you don't just want to transcend, you also want to befriend. And like, when you think about like, you know, spiritual awareness or going into higher, 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 it's like, yeah, that's cool. But you're kind of transcending the human experience. You don't just want to go live in Kumbaya and be all Zen all day. If you can't actually have a conversation with your loved one without getting triggered like that to me is the real work. The real work, honest spirituality is being able to bridge all of these different levels of consciousness into an integrated way of being 
that allows you to engage with the world in a masterful and skillful way. And, and I think that's what's so cool about even like, I love the, I, that's what I love about you so much, man. Like you'd have so many frames that you just kind of bring into, like you have parts therapy, you have all these like levels of mind. Like there's so many different frames that you bring in to see something in front of you. And I think that's a really powerful way to exist in the world is to see it through the lens of frames. Because I think the, the frames that we see the world through, if I even think about frames coming into the form of lenses, like the lenses that we see the world through actually ultimately give us the power to do whatever the hell we want to do in the world. Like it's like innately, like it's, it's our power center, right? Like it's, it's, um, yeah. So I, I really just appreciate that about you a lot. Thanks brother. In full circle, I feel like our language pattern is really describing our frames. It's kind of making, one of my mentors said this before, that the words that we use and the way that we speak is making an argument for a level of energy. It's trying to rationalize how we feel, where we're coming from. Mm. Say that whole thing again, actually. I need to, I need to hear you say that again in like a really, like, because say that again. Our frames for reality really dictate the language that we use, right? The way that we're seeing the world gets expressed through the language that we use. A hundred percent. And the frame in many ways dictates the energy that we're coming from. Let me ask you a question on that. Like with so many frames out there and so many different ways of looking at the world and so many different models, how do you actually, you personally come back to find the ones that are true for you? That's a good question. What I've noticed, these frames in many ways all overlap. And it's all ancient wisdom. It's all truths that you already are aligned with. So when I get a framework, I'm basically comparing it to my reality and the way I see it. And I already feel very highly supported by the frames of reality that I'm living by. And that's another piece is like, with me seeing the world through this lens, does it actually support me? You know, is, is it helping me? Or is it creating shame, guilt? So this is the challenging part with that. Well, if you're living inside of frames that were not yours to begin with, and you think that is your reality, and somebody gives you another frame to look at the world through, but it challenges your existing frame or like your existing reality, it could actually be the greatest gift, but you may not interpret it as a gift because you're looking at it as this thing that's shaking up your world. Right. So like I look at it myself, like when I look at my life, like I, you know, started out as a engineer, worked in corporate America. And when I decided to become an entrepreneur, that frame triggered the hell out of everyone around me. There was a period where like, I didn't really have the support that I needed from friends because nobody got what I was doing. And so if I would have not had another community to go to, to get support, I would have probably not stuck it out because I would have been like, man, this sucks. I want to be around other people because like, that's what I know. And I, and I, and I imagine there's a lot of people that are either in religious communities. Like I know a lot of people that stay in like the Mormon communities for a long time, even though they don't identify with it because they're afraid of being shamed or being banished or not having friends. And so it's like, so that's why I also offer like, 
if somebody, if you see a frame or if you learn something or you gather an insight that's kind of shakes your world, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It just means that there's this other way of looking at life that is very different than what you have right now. And there's a period of integration that's required to bring that frame into reality. Like beautiful that you and I both have lives now that are so in alignment because of all the work we've done to get here. But I mean, I'd love to ask you, man, like what has been your journey of the evolution? You know, like I want to know, like, how did you go from where you were to like living in this life where all of your frames actually align with who you are? Because I can't imagine that's how you were all the time. That just doesn't. Well, they still don't align fully all the time. So <laughs> let's just be clear on that. And I totally hear what you're saying. I, I really feel like the right frames allow for, for truth to reveal itself. Right. So like one of the frames for me is like, is this a concept and an idea or is it the direct experience of? So as much as possible, I'm wanting to be in direct experience with, right? Versus a concept. Give me an example of that. I mean, fuck, rush. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to give me an example of that. We could just talk about your story because I actually really, I don't actually know your story. Like, of like how you got into the work, what was like your catalyst breaking open moment that shattered the existing frame you had and started like bringing in a different one? Yeah. Well, this is a really great example for the the concept versus direct experience. And so, and, and I'll come back to that, but a big part of my story, the way that it revealed itself to me was that I was having a lot of health challenges. And so I grew up as an athlete, football player, wrestler, and I had asthma, allergies, a lot of things that I think a lot of people relate with, right? Just if I were to say simply an impaired immune system with all the things that come with that, asthma, allergies, gut issues, skin rashes. And throughout high school, I started getting these things called staph infections, the staph infections were showing up as boils. And so I was engaged in the medical system and they were giving me loads of antibiotics and I wanted to keep wrestling. So I would continue to take these antibiotics as this uh, condition was arising within me uh, because I wanted for it to go to, to, I wanted for it to go away so that I could continue to compete. And I was also really challenged with the medical system and I felt, I felt victimized by the medical system, right? I think I'm, a lot of people feel this way and I was raised in the paradigm of the medical system should know how to fix me, right? I should be healthy and it's almost like it's their job for that to happen, right? Like, I have a right to my health and they should know how to fix me. That was kind of the unconscious frame that I was coming from. At some point, 2012, 2013, I started, you know, to school for nutrition. I started experimenting with my health. I started fasting. I started doing all of these things. Um, I started reading Joe Dispenza, read his book, How to Change Your Mind. And 
I knew that there was a way that I was being that was generating my symptoms. There was like the way that I was occurring and being and experiencing. But at that point, I wasn't really in touch with my experience, right? I just, I knew there was a me, but I don't think I was in direct contact with how I felt or I was in direct, I wasn't in direct contact with how I was experiencing life. But I knew that there was something off in there that was having me not express full vitality now. And that kind of set me on my journey. And then... You reversed all your health conditions? No. No. Many of them, yes. One of the frames that I use that I love is awareness, acknowledgement, and acceptance. And I think that if we can accept the way that something is as it is, then we're now in the position to heal. Because if we're not accepting it, we're then judging it. And when we judge something, we make it out to be a certain way. We put a name, we put a label on it, and we constrict it into reality. So it's almost like the frame that, thank you for sharing, by the way, I love hearing the origin stories because I think the frame you went to of like the medical system is should save you to one where you kind of accepted maybe the reality that that wasn't going to happen and that you had to be the one to take your health into your own hands and you did and you've been on a journey of healing and and that has unraveled a world of all sorts of shit. It's almost like I, I always feel like whatever your entry point is into the work, like it's just the entry, but it then opens up everything else. Like for me, it was a, a nine year relationship ending. And that's what then opened up like the whole world of like, oh my God, who am I? Like, what is like, it's like there's a whole frame that I, it's like I literally shattered every part of my reality. And it opened up a world of, of reinvention and looking for frames that are more in alignment with who I really am in my soul. And I think that's what's so powerful. It doesn't matter what your entry point is. They are all powerful if you actually allow them to be. And I think health, in fact, is one that most people can really resonate with because it's the one that's direct, right? Like it's the one that you just can't hide from. Like your body is, is speaking to you in some way, shape, or form. And I think we as a culture have a really strong aversion to going inward when our body is speaking to us. We want to look for the pill. We want to look for the outward solution. It's always out there. But I, I just really trust now more than ever that like our bodies are intuitive, brilliant, like they're just brilliant. And when they speak, it's, it's an important time to listen. And I love that what you just said, like accept, acknowledge or awareness, acceptance or awareness, acknowledgement, acceptance. Like that's a great way to actually begin to practice even that intimacy with your body. That's a really beautiful thing. Dude, you're, I love you. I didn't know where the fuck we were going to go, to be completely honest. Like, I had, like, we were talking before. I was like, what do we talk about today? <laughs> I know. And we wanted to streamline it a little bit, and we totally didn't. <laughs> <laughs> nope. We, uh, we went down a rabbit hole, but I'm glad we did because I think it gives a really, like, I just, like I said, I, I love to know the journey and to know that 
like it, it is a process of learning and to know that every step of the way, like you're never actually off base, like you're right where you need to be. And the lesson is in the experience. And by leaning into the experience, it's almost like the insight opens itself for more. And I think you're a really beautiful and powerful example of that. So thank you brother for just existing as you do and for sharing your heart and and just being brand. I'd love to learn more about you clearly work with human beings. Otherwise you wouldn't have this much awareness because <laughs> I mean, you can, but I also just like, how are you working with people? And you, you mentioned network spinal. And if you want to speak a little bit about that, I don't know, like kind of what you have offerings, uh, what offerings you have in the world. Like I would love to just spend a few moments talking about that. Cool. Thank you, Raj. And thank you so much for having me on. It's always an honor, pleasure, like, Man, I, w- I want to just call you later and jam out more. So the offerings that I'm that I have right now for the people who are local to Nosara, Costa Rica, and I'm pretty much just starting a practice. So it's just kind of gaining ground, and I see people in person, and uh, that looks like energetic table sessions. And I'm also hosting some workshops. I'm wor- hosting a workshop this Thursday night. Um, downtown Osara. And then I'm going to be helping out with quite a few retreats. So that's something else that I'm available for supporting people with is transformative retreats, any type of retreat, breath work, meditation, medicine. And so I'm offering a men's retreat probably at the end of looking at partnering with Yucca Mama. And a couple of my buddies, and we're going to be offering a men's retreat at the end of January in Ojacal, Costa Rica. I'm going to be hosting and supporting my buddy in Bali at the end of November with a meditation retreat. So if anyone's interested in doing a meditation retreat, that one's super affordable, super doable. It's going to be like... How do they reach out to you? Is this, uh, do they get in touch with you via Instagram or what's the best way to get into? Instagram is the best way. And then I do a virtual program and the virtual program is basically a community for healing, strategies for healing, strategies for getting out of our own way and creating a life that we want to create. And that's a four-month program. The next round of that's going to be launched in September. So yeah, reach out to me, reach out to me on Instagram. I know lots of lots happening. You got a lot going on, man. Well, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to see you just thriving and it is good to feel you in Nosara. I miss being there and hope to be back soon. I got one last question for you, brother. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Breathe. I breathe, man. free it's a free one it's free it's right there it's right there (laughs) we're already doing it (laughs) we're already doing it we might as well acknowledge the fact that we are doing it and do it consciously um i remember an old friend of mine he's a breathwork facilitator he's you know he, he really just mentioned if you just consciously were aware of every breath you took you would never feel out of sync like it's like that's it could be that simple like we just forget that we breathe like if we watch the breath we get connected back to the source of the breath and that's a really beautiful thing brother 
I love you. It's good to have you here. Uh, everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Alan. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.